Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. And what a comeback down-to-earth week this was for the Jets, who had been struggling mightily, couldn't figure out their quarterback position. They put Zach Wilson back in against the Texans, and they won the game, scoring 30 points in the second half, winning 30-6, to and giving the Jets fans a little bit of life. We had a feeling that if we could go into Miami, play really well against them, with Zach Wilson back in the lineup, win that game, maybe Aaron Rodgers would be feeling well enough for the final three weeks of the season. Perhaps there was a crazy long-shot chance the Jets could make the playoffs, some sort of inspired run but the Jets went down to Miami to play the Dolphins at Hard Rock Stadium and they lost the game 30 to 0 and it was an absolute freaking mess from the beginning to the end the offense couldn't do anything the defense wasn't electric wasn't hitting them in the mouth Tua was too comfortable we didn't get ever even down the field far enough to allow Greg the leg to kick a field goal or anything it was just a a bad game Start to finish, we had Zach Wilson playing. He left for a number of different reasons, whether it was he was dehydrated or had a head injury or had a concussion. Ultimately was ruled out with a concussion. They went to Simeon, who did just as badly as Zach Wilson had done. And it was just a big... uh, I wouldn't say it's a big shock because a lot of people expected that sort of thing to happen. And even when the Jets beat the Texans the way that they did, I still reminded everyone, like, listen, this team is still capable of really bad games but I think we still had a little bit of hope that maybe we'd be able to perform better. I mean, we played worse against the Dolphins in this game than we did at home with Tim Boyle playing. So this was a very sad way for the Jets to officially be eliminated from playoff contention, officially be looking towards the draft and evaluating players for the remainder of the year, hoping for some guys get into the Pro Bowl, maybe some honors and stuff at the end of the year. But this year was a little bit of a nightmare, and we got a lot to get to in this one. Before I do, I want to remind you to rate, 
review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. It's part of the Fans First Sports Network. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. So yeah, the Jets lose this game 0-30 to after scoring 30 points last week. The exact same thing happens to get to them, except they get blanked. The offense couldn't do a darn thing. And the season overall, with the Jets now sitting at a 5-9 and nine record, it's over for the Jets in terms of any sort of hope or anything for this year. And it's a real sort of bummer, but I think when you really look back at this whole thing, the season ended four plays into the season when Aaron Rodgers went down. The Jets did everything in their power to build a team and an offense and everything around Aaron Rodgers for him to be successful, for us to have an opportunity. I think that it made sense because when you look at what our special teams did, it was fantastic. You look at our defense this year, fantastic. Our offense, huge issues. Part of that was the quarterback play, and part of it was the injury luck on the offensive line. The Jets were super unlucky on the offensive line, which didn't help anything as the year went on. But once Aaron Rodgers was out of the picture, this whole thing was, we were just hoping to maybe patch something together and win a couple games here and there and be feisty and scrappy and make the playoffs. But at the end of the day, this whole thing was built around Aaron Rodgers. It looks like we have an opportunity to get him back next year if he's healthy and ready to play. That would be exciting to see if he can do it. Of course, expectations need to be tempered. He's coming off of an injury, and he's even older than he was before. So it's a fast man's league right now. A lot of fast guys on defense. It's very tough to play quarterback at the age and speed that Aaron Rodgers appeared to be moving before the year began. But if he can do it, he's going to be better than Zach Wilson. He's going to be better than Brett Rippon, Tim Boyle, Trevor Simeon, you name it. The Jets hopefully have some better days ahead, but this season really went down the tubes in Miami this weekend. So as we finish up this season with three games to go, the first thing you look at as the season comes to a close is what are the Jets going to do at GM and coach? Are they going to look to make a, a move, firing either Joe Douglas or Robert Sala? A lot of people would tell you, yes, they should be moved. I'm here to tell you that, in my opinion, no, they shouldn't. I think it's very easy to fire people. I think it's very hard to find good people to replace them. Robert Sala was a guy that, coming in to his interview and everything, was considered the best candidate on paper, a guy that everybody thought would be a great leader of men. Same thing with Joe Douglas when he was interviewed from the Eagles. It was like, man, I hope the Jets pony up and pay this guy because he is the best option out there. Pretty pretty openly, everybody kind of knew that he was the best option. We were able to get both of those guys. Woody Johnson was able to pay up to get them in our organization. We have them now. They've had some proven body of work. You look at Joe Douglas, he's had one of the best draft classes in Jets history in last year's draft class, maybe the best ever. He's had a couple snafus here and there, yes, but I think overall he has shown that he is able to do some things at a very, very high level. He can do an incredible draft, right? He can make a couple really nice free agent signings. No one's going to be perfect. There's no GM in the entire league that's going to be perfect. But Joe Douglas has the ability to do some really special things at that job. You want to fire him and find somebody that maybe can't do special things, like a Mike McCagnon or a John Idzik? Not worth it. Look at the coaching side. Robert Sala, yes, the team is struggling. Yes, it's canned answers every single week. He's talking about shooting themselves in the foot. But when you look at the staff he's given or the, or the players that he has on the field, especially on the offensive side of the ball, there's not much he can do there. Defensively, he's got Jeff Albrecht in line for probably a head coaching job sometime in the near future. Brant Boyer is still there doing his thing. The Jets have built an elite defense and very strong special teams. And you want to potentially fire Robert Sala Throw that all away at the hope that maybe somebody's going to be able to make, what, Xavier Newman and Jake Hansen and Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle a really nice, potent offense that can win games? That wasn't going to happen. 
So you can fire Robert Sala and then risk re-scheming the entire defense to now all of a sudden, oh, we think we want to play a 3-4 defense with less nickel and we want to do man-to-man only. And all of a sudden the players the Jets have aren't really schemed right, and so it's like, all right, time to get rid of some of these guys. Maybe Sauce Gardner isn't quite as effective as he used to be, and Quinn Williams doesn't really have a spot in this team, and we have to rework it. I mean, the Jets have done that before, had a really good defense, and then switched schemes, and then a bunch of people were out of place and didn't know how to be used, and then it was like, well, you know what? We have to purge the really talented players that we have and then try to find replacement players and pay for them and draft them and rebuild this whole thing just because the scheme isn't built with the players that we have here. I don't want to risk that. The Jets have an awesome defense. They can come into next year with one of the best defenses in the league again. I'm confident in that. A really strong special teams yet again. I'm confident in that. And if they have a little bit of luck on the offensive side of the ball, it's the same thing as this year. If things go well enough on offense, this team is going to be competitive. We won five games. We've got three more to go. Winnable games that if the Jets win them all, I don't think they will, but I mean, they could finish the season with six, seven, eight wins. That's not a completely horrific season considering the injuries that they had and the cast of characters they're playing on the offense. I know that they have Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall. Those are big names, yes. But the most important thing to make an offense at least operate somewhat effectively is an offensive line. You can't run without an offensive line. You can't pass without an offensive line. They at least have to be competent. And this year, frankly, it hasn't been. If you want to look at one coach or or person in that organization that I think maybe could lose their job, it's offensive line coach Keith Carter that came over from the Titans and has made this offensive line worse than it was last year. The injuries were really, really bad. But when you look at guys like Mekhi Becton struggling the way that he did against the Dolphins. Mekhi Becton is one of those guys that's going to be a free agent in the offseason. We're going to have an opportunity to tag him for, I don't know, 13, 14, 15 million dollars. Another team's probably going to offer him a contract in that range because it's so hard to find left tackles. But the game that he just had against the Dolphins, giving up three sacks to Bradley Chubb and looking completely out of place, it just wasn't anywhere near good enough. He's got to be a little bit quicker than that. I mean, some of the mistakes he made, it was just, he didn't even have a shot in that. And Bradley Chubb is not, in my opinion, some out-of-this-world pass rusher. He's pretty good. He's one of the better pass rushers in the league, but he's not like some crazy mismatch where Mekhi Becton should be just going to the left when the guy's going to the right. He looked like a soccer goalie trying to block a penalty kick, diving to his side, the ball's not going. It's like, why are you blocking over there? There's nobody to your left, he's going inside. So Keith Carter, potentially you replace him. This whole offensive line has to be reworked. This is the first time that I really watched a game and said, I don't know if Mekhi Becton belongs in this team. Because I thought before, you look around the NFL and the landscape, offensive lines are struggling all over the league. It's the reason there's not a bunch of prolific running going on this year. There's not a lot of prolific scoring going on. There's really only a few teams that have dynamic, really strong, positive offensive lines. The Jets certainly aren't one of them. I thought that Mekhi Becton could be good enough to help be one of those average offensive lines, which is what you need in this league. Just be average. But what I saw against the Dolphins was not good. And I think that he honestly, realistically, probably lost a million dollars per year just from the performance he had against the Dolphins because you can't feel anywhere near as good about him moving forward as he did. So whether the Jets pay him a little bit less or go a different direction, they do need to rework that offensive line. Lakin Tomlinson has been a little worse than we anticipated. Joe Titman, probably better suited at right guard, but he's a solid center. 
right tackle, we have no idea. That thing's moving all the time. Elijah Vera Tucker never seems to play, but he's our best offensive lineman and can play anywhere. So we need to get some depth. We need to get some starters. We don't have a ton of cap space because of all the reworking the Jets did and restructures they did to try to make this season work. Kick the ball, kick the can down the road a little bit. Get Aaron Rodgers back next year and try to build some of that offensive line through the draft. There's a couple guys that I really like. Right now, it's early. It's December. But if I was to pick where the Jets are right now, I would say Joe Alt, the offensive tackle from Notre Dame. Guy's six foot eight. Really, really nice tackle. He's been a good tackle prospect for a long time. He's coming out, already declared for the NFL draft. And he would be the guy that I would go get and start reworking that offensive line. But it can't end there. It's got to be another draft pick. It's got to be a couple really good depth free agent signings so that we're not playing Chris Glazer, Xavier Newman, Jake Hansen. Who are these people? So that's the real thing. I think try to keep this team as intact as you possibly can and then rework that offensive line as best you possibly can. Nathaniel Hackett, he's going to have to work with Aaron Rodgers, but you got to have a backup plan. If something happens to Aaron Rodgers, you got to have a backup plan that's better than what we had this year. I think the Jets will have a shot, but, you know, we got a ways to go till next year. If the season were to end today, it looks like the Jets would be drafting sixth overall, which at five wins, that's a really good draft position. I mean, you can get a really, really talented player there. You're looking at quarterback, wide receiver, and offensive line, I think, is three premium positions the Jets could get in that range. We've got three games remaining, Commanders, Browns, Patriots. Honestly, all of those games are winnable. The Jets could max out at eight total wins. They could also max out the other direction, lose them all, and have 12 losses on the season. I think that the Jets will probably win one or two of them and will probably lose one or two of them. But it remains to be seen. If the Jets roll out the team they just played with against the Miami Dolphins, I mean, they're not going to be winning any games. Zach Wilson may not play again this season, may not ever play again for the New York Jets. That remains to be seen as well. So if they're going to be playing Trevor Simeon or Brett Rippon, I mean, you're taking away really any hope to beat a team that has any sort of confidence. You maybe could win some sort of toilet bowl game where both teams are struggling and it's like fumbles and muffed punts and stuff that ends the game. Maybe the Jets could win something like that. But do we even want to win a game that way? I'll take a win because I love winning football games, but I don't want to win some horrible, messy game. Let's put some good football on the field. That's the dream. There's not that much more to look forward to in this season. Hope is lost. I've always said, like, I would rather watch the Jets lose a football game 0-30 to than not have a game on at all. Right? There's going to be a point in April when I would choose to watch the Jets get absolutely destroyed just to see the team on the field and to watch the players play because I love watching Jets football more than anything. But it's going to be here sooner than, uh, than we know. We've only got three games left. They don't mean much. People are going to be looking for draft positioning, all of the sort of like scenarios and all that anticipation and excitement has worn off. It's just at this point, how many wins will they have when it's over? What will they do in free agency? Is Aaron Rodgers coming back? We'll watch other teams play in the playoffs, hope for a good playoffs. But I said, Dad, what do you got for this week's father time coming off a horrible loss, elimination to our season? Give us something, anything you got. So this is this week's father time, written by my dad, David Burnham. Here we go. It's titled, It's Not Too Early. Miami clobbered the Jets. No two ways around it. The team is going to miss the playoffs again, but through this season, I still saw a great defense and see an offensive line that needs to make over. 
I actually believe that the Jets are not far from a 9 or 10 win season. But this isn't my reason for my this is the Jet Life installment. I need to jump ahead. Three weeks. Because there's another team in the AFC East that is struggling even more than our beloved New York Jets. Some say that Robert Sala might be on the hot seat. Well, people are also saying that Bill Belichick is sitting squarely on a much hotter seat. And poetically, the Jets visit Foxborough to finish the season and possibly Bill Belichick's career. We need to start ramping up now. It's not too early. The Jets need to win this game. If old Bill is sent packing, this to me becomes one of the most important Jets games in decades. If this is going to be Belichick's last game as head coach of the New England Patriots, the Jets need, I need, to win his last game. I want to be able to say forever that the Jets got the last laugh and sent the old goat away permanently with a loss. I want the old goat to have a stink of a loss to the New York Jets as his last memory as he walks away into the quiet locker room of Gillette Stadium, with all of us Jets fans smiling. Sure, I'd like to beat the Commanders and Browns, but let's face it, the New England Patriots and Belichick have pushed the Jets around for 25 years. I want this one. I really need this one, don't you? The 2023 season is far from over. I'm amping up for this last game three weeks early. I want to see the old GOAT grimace with his last game being a loss as GM and head coach of the Patriots. A loss to the New York Jets. Everyone mark your calendars for week 18. Don't miss it. It's right around the corner. Let's send Bill out of Gillette Stadium with a bruised ego, his head down staring at the torn and trampled New England turf for the last time as he is handed a loss to the New York Jets on his final game. Go Jets. End scene. So, wow, that is not what I expected on this week's installment of Father Time, but it is absolutely encouraged and embraced. That game comes three weeks away. We're a ways away from playing the Patriots, but he's right. That is one of those games that still gives us some hope and some life for this season. Yes, a lot of people are going to be looking for draft capital right now, playing the Browns, playing the Commanders. Not much good comes from winning other than some personal pride and some historical team record that you'll look back on 20 years from now and say, oh, wasn't that horrible of a season. But when it's all said and done, these games, like this one coming up against the Patriots, these are the ones that can make a season like this feel so much greater and can give us so much more purpose because Bill Belichick has been, you know, obviously a pretty horrible guy for a very long time. He screwed over the Jets once. He's had coaching staff that have screwed other, over other people and organizations over the years. He doesn't care about anybody except for his team and the people that he's taken care of, right? He's cheated many, many times. He's turned what seemed like good guys coming out of college into some of the most hated or dirty or chippy or most cheating players in the entire league. So there's a lot of negative stuff about the guy. He's won a lot of games, almost all of it with Tom Brady as his quarterback. He's lost a lot of games. He's lost more than really almost anybody else in the history of football. So... Bill Belichick is, is one of those polarizing figures where you're going to look back and be like, was it Tom Brady that led this whole thing? Was it Bill Belichick that led this whole thing? What exactly was Bill Belichick's impact in the league with the Patriots and everything like that? And I think that a lot of people are going to try to chalk him up as being the greatest coach in the history of all time, which I don't think is what my dad was saying when he referred to Bill Belichick as an old goat. He wasn't talking greatest of all time. But people are going to try to paint him as such, and there's going to be those that are saying, it was all Tom Brady. Once Brady wasn't there, the guy wasn't the same. With the Browns, he wasn't the same. And I fall into that side personally. But I do have a lot of of hatred towards Bill Belichick and what he's done and uh, the way that he's kind of handled himself throughout the league. And I want to send him packing as well. I've heard that there's a chance he's not coming back 
at the end of the Patriots season. Maybe it's 50-50. Maybe Robert Kraft is considering it but hasn't made that decision yet. I don't know. I'm not in the building. I'm not the reporter or anything like that. I've heard that it's possible, and I do know that a loss to the Jets at Foxborough would sting beyond belief. It may not be Aaron Rodgers. It may not be Zach Wilson even. It may be Brett Rippon or Trevor Simeon, an obviously wounded, banged-up Jets team with nothing to play for except for personal pride against them. I've talked to some Patriots fans that are diehard Patriots fans, and they're even telling me they hate the Jets. They love beating up the Jets. And even though a quarterback could be drafted this year and the draft position for the Patriots is very important to them, they'd still rather beat the Jets 10 times out of 10 in that game just to continue being the big brother to the Jets. So this game is very important. And that, may, that New England fan base is going to be absolutely destroyed if they lose to the Jets in Foxborough to end the season. And it's going to create outcry, and it may get Bill Belichick fired. Whether he goes to the Chargers or somewhere else to try to chase down the most wins ever long after he has the most losses in NFL history, maybe he just wants that on the resume, to have the most wins, not just the most losses. But if he's done in New England, and we can be the team to do it, to put that nail in the coffin, it would be super sweet. It would give us some argument ammo, some Bill Belichick ammo, just some personal, just, you know what, at least we got that one. I remember the feeling going into Tom Brady's last game against the Jets, it felt like he played for the Bucks at that point, and the Jets played him at the very end of, it was either last year or the year before, I think it was last year, maybe it was the year before, but either way, it was Tom Brady's last time playing the Jets, most likely, and we all said, like, man, if we can get one last chance to beat Tom Brady, and the Jets almost won that game, but they didn't get it. Buccaneers end up winning that one. Brady retires. We'll never play him again. This could be our last shot against Bill. And I don't want to see him smiling. I want to see him wincing when he walks off that field, realizing that it's all over. Can't take back the last 25 years, but we can make this one suck. So thank you, Dad, for getting me fired up about that. It is three weeks away. We've got Commanders and Browns before that. But it does give you something to kind of get amped up for. It doesn't let you just kind of pack it on the season and say, you know what, it doesn't matter anymore. Play the backups. Who gives a shit? Let's just play Zaire Barnes and Jarek Bernard Converse. I'm sure there's going to be some of that. But there is still some very, very important football to be played by this Jets team. So thank you, Dad, for re-inspiring, giving us hope. That is this week's Father Time. Now before I go over to a quick Dolphins review and a Commander's Preview, let's do a quick commercial break. Alrighty, and welcome back to This is the Jet Life. This is the part of the podcast where we would talk about the Jets versus the Dolphins, but what really is there to talk about? This game was an absolute nightmare from the very, very beginning. The Jets were doing nothing offensively. They weren't hitting Tua Tungavailoa. He was like, I think he started the game 9 for 9 or 10 for 10 passing, just hitting the ball four yards, five yards downfield and letting Jalen Waddle or Durham Smythe or somebody run for extra yardage. It was a pretty boring sort of game plan from the Dolphins, but they didn't need to do much more than that. Avoid the Jets' pass rush, hit the soft zones, get it to yards after catch playmakers really, really quickly, move down the field, score your points. Also, on the other side, the Jets doing absolutely nothing offensively, consistently punting the ball from Inside their own 25, they were given the Dolphins field position at the 50-yard line. Even after the Dolphins would score a touchdown, a kickoff out of the back of the end zone, the Jets would have negative 10 yards, punt the ball away, Dolphins ball at the 50. 
great field position for them again. I mean, we were just losing the field position battle without even being in a punting war. And the Dolphins were scoring way too easily. When you look at the Jets' offense, it struggled. Zach Wilson, 4 for 11. After that big Texans game where everyone said, he's got all the confidence in the world now. Nathaniel Hackett's ready to let Zach Wilson rip. For any of these reporters or beat writers or anything that are like, this is the moment Nathaniel Hackett said, Zach Wilson needs to let the ball rip, and that's why against the Texans he threw the ball a ton, and this is just what's in his DNA now. Shame on the coaching staff for not telling him to let it rip earlier. Where the hell did that come from? Zach Wilson had a really good game against the Texans, as he randomly does from time to time. Go figure against a team that is schemed exactly the way the Jets scheme up. So Zach Wilson literally knew exactly what to look for and was very comfortable playing against that defense. He wasn't told to let it rip. He just had a decent day. It was the exact same Zach Wilson that came out against the Dolphins. Just this game, he was very, very confused. Didn't know where to throw the ball. Looked like the Zach of old or the one that when he plays badly, we see. Zacked four times, only four completions for 26 yards. The guy got benched. Trevor Simeon comes in. 14 of 26 for 110 yards, sacked twice, threw two picks. I mean, geez, Louise, we had 80 total passing yards net. Rushing the ball, 12 carries for 23 yards. Brees Hall, six rushes for 12 yards. I feel bad for Brees Hall, man. I feel bad for where he's told to run behind Jake Hansen time and time again, running over to Billy Turner's side, who can't block anything. I mean, Brees Hall is a very, very talented player, but you have to get him in open space. It's been a very long time since Brees Hall saw open space on the field this year. He's had very, very inefficient games. And if you'd be tuning into a Jets game for the last six, seven, eight weeks, you'd say, Brees Hall's just frankly not that good. What does this guy offer? What does this guy do? He just runs into his offensive lineman's back or hits a linebacker and goes down. No power, running up the middle. Not much to like in Brees Hall's game recently. It's not him. It's the offensive line. It's the scheme. It's where he's going. He's still one of the most talented running backs in the entire league. He's still got over 1,000 scrimmage yards for the Jets and is a massive part of our offense. I just feel bad for what he's got to deal with this year. I do believe it's going to get better next year, but it's not been easy this year. It hasn't been easy for Cook either. You can say that Dalvin Cook sucked and everyone's going, oh, Dalvin Cook was a horrible signing. Oh, my gosh, this guy didn't do anything for us. It's like, listen, Brees Hall is arguably one of the best running backs in the league, most talented, and he was able to do nothing behind this offensive line. This is not a fair situation to judge any running backs. Izzy Abanaconda, he ran the ball in garbage time. Four carries for eight yards. Ashton Davis had a carry because he went for it on fourth down once. Didn't get it. That was a bummer. You look at the passing game. like There was 136 passing yards to go around. The Jets were losing by so much in this game, almost none of it even mattered. I think when you're looking for an offensive player of the game, I'm going to give it to Tyler Conklin. Four catches for 18 yards. Nothing special, absolutely not. But he led the team in targets, and he's become one of those guys that when the Jets don't know what to do, they just kind of heave it up to him, going down a seam, and a lot of times he goes up and makes a play, catches the ball. He had a couple opportunities in this game to make catches that he didn't get, but he led the team in catches with four. He's been relied on. He's getting better and better at receiving, and I think we're lucky to have a dude that's got that type of fight He doesn't get a lot of credit for what he does because his numbers aren't going to be prolific. He's finishing this game with 18 yards. You know, he'll finish the season with six or 700 receiving yards. It'll be, you know, maybe top 16 tight end or something, but no touchdowns really to go along with it. He's been a good dude. 
we're lucky we're going to have him back next year as well, so he's going to be a part of this offense moving forward. You had a couple catches from Xavier Gibson. Garrett Wilson wasn't utilized until, like, the second half. He finished with three catches for 29 yards. He's got to be getting pissed. Lazard, three catches for 21. Weird to see him on a box score. Ruckert's playing. Randall Cobb got targeted three times, didn't ever come down with the ball. It was bad offense. It was just really freaking bad offense. When you look at uh, the defensive side of the ball, it wasn't great either. The Jets come into this game, and my big takeaway like of how to take a, take down this Dolphins team is to hit them in the mouth, make them uncomfortable, smack Tua around because he's a pretty wimpy guy overall when you hit him. A lot of the receivers kind of like that too. Jalen Waddle, you can bang him up. Tyree Kill, he's tough, but you can get him banged up. Smaller, shiftier, faster guys that don't like to be bruised and broken. The Jets weren't able to really do that. The Dolphins did quick, easy, high percentage passes, got good yards after catch, ran out of bounds, made it very difficult for the Jets to make a big play on them. Not a lot of big hits from the Jets. Just kind of taking it from the Dolphins for four quarters, it felt like. We did sacks two or three times. None of them were like monster hits, but those sacks go to full one to Solly. So really nice year from him. He already had his career high in sacks. He gets another one. Bryce Huff gets another one. He's got his career high in sacks and keeps that future paycheck rising and rising as the year goes on. We got a half sack from Quinn and Williams and Will McDonald as well. So that's pretty cool. Quinn and Williams has had obviously not a statistical super season, but his play has been great week after week. Will McDonald's a guy that has not gotten a lot of playing time this year, but as the Jets kind of work him in, you can kind of see like early shades of of early Bryce Huff, right? Like he comes onto the field for passing downs, doesn't play a ton, kind of a skinny guy, but he's relentless and finds a way to get into the backfield and after the passers. And at this point, Will McDonald, which you hardly ever see him on the field, he's got multiple sacks this year. And I think he's a guy that when he gets more playing time, he'll be getting five, six, seven, eight. And that's something that's, Kind of hard to find sometimes in the NFL. So we'll see what Will McDonald's progression looks like as the year and his career goes on. But it's kind of all we got from the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to go ahead and give defensive player of the game to Bryce Huff because he's the best Jets pass rusher that we have. That's such an important thing against a team like Miami. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough. And, uh, yeah, he gave up 30 points from the Jets. Scored zero. Nobody played well in this one. Special teams, nothing special here. The Jets didn't have any kick return opportunities. They didn't have any punt returns. They didn't attempt any field goals in this game. Didn't score so no extra points. The only thing that existed on special teams was going for a fake punt that didn't work. An early kickoff, you know, that goes out of bounds at the beginning of the game. And then Thomas Morstead punting the ball five times. So Thomas Morstead will be the special teams player of the game just by default. Could have given it to Hennessy. Could have given it to Justin Hardy who got down the field, but... Morstead punted pretty well. He's had a good season. I hope he comes back again next year and plays as well as he did this year. But uh, just just a game we should move on from. So let's do it. Let's move on. Let's look at the Commanders real quick. The Jets are playing on Christmas Eve at 1 p.m. against the Commanders, who are 4-10. and 10. The Jets are opening up this game as three-point favorites at home at Jet Life Stadium. So believe it or not, without Aaron Rodgers, without Zach Wilson probably, With who knows who playing quarterback, the Jets are still favored to beat a team. It feels impossible because we watch this Jets team and we're like, how could they beat anybody? But you forget, you probably haven't been watching the Commanders every single week. Some teams are worse than the Jets, even still. The Commanders have basically 
given up on this season. It looks like their coach is on the hot seat. They traded away Chase Young, Montez Sweat. I mean, that team's kind of trying to cash in for the future, not really committed to this year right now. That's why they're 4-10, and 10, haven't really been super competitive this year. They've got a really bad defense. The Jets have a really bad offense. So we'll see what happens when two really bad units square up. Hopefully, this is like my real hope for the rest of the season, is that we get some good evaluation from guys like Izzy Abanaconda and Xavier Gibson, maybe Jason Brownlee, right? Just guys moving forward. But then the players that are really, really good for our team that deserve big weeks have big weeks. I think that there's going to be a long offseason, a lot of negativity around this team, and it can be tough if you're a Tyler Conklin and the season ends and you get 600 yards and a couple touchdowns and you're like, man, I just wish I did more. Or if you're, you know, Garrett Wilson, for some reason you don't even get to 1,000 yards in the season and you're not talked about as one of those great players, a pro bowler, and you feel really down about yourself. Like, what am I doing here, man? This sucks. But if we can get some big weeks for Garrett Wilson, Tyler Conklin, and Brees Hall, get them feeling a little bit better about their 2023 campaign with the green and white at season close, a little bit more positivity going into next year, a little bit more happiness with the overall state of their season, I think that would be very, very beneficial. So I'll be rooting for big, big weeks from those three players and then guys like Jeremy Rucker, Izzy Abanaconda, you know, the youngsters. So let's get some good numbers for our boys, get some positivity going. Another way we can try to spread positivity, let's try to get some of our guys to the Pro Bowl. Let's try to get Sauce and DJ Reed, CJ Mosley, Quincy Williams, Quinnen Williams. Let's try to get Bryce Huff, Jermaine Johnson, Tyler Conklin, Brees Hall. Let's get these guys to the Pro Bowl, get them feeling good when the season ends as well. We're picking it right up next year. We're picking it right back up next year, and Coach and whoever's going to be here is going to be trying to convince everybody, all right, this is going to be our year, and we need guys to buy in. So we want some of that positivity to be remaining from the year before, not all just negativity and like, oh, man, all right, what are we going to do this year? So Pro Bowl voting, I think it's important. I try to do it as much as I can. That's really it for this one, honestly. I think the Jets are going to play a messy game against the Commanders on Christmas Eve. After that, we're going to play the Cleveland Browns on Thursday Night Football. And then one last week, the big one my dad was talking about against the New England Patriots, TBD time, Saturday, Sunday, whatever. It's the last week of the season. It's one the Jets uh, that will probably be hidden by the NFL at like a 1 p.m. spot because who in the world would want to watch that dumpster fire game of two bad offenses and two bad teams. But we'll be looking forward to that one. I'll be looking forward to the Commanders game and the Browns game because it's week 16 coming up. There's not much more football left. Enjoy it while you got it because it's going to be a really, really long summer and time without the team. Hopefully some good things happen. Maybe we can have a couple big performances against the Commanders, some good things to look back on, highlights to watch, all that good stuff. Rooting for the best, expecting a little more of what we've seen so far this year. That's all I got for this one, guys. Thanks for joining me. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life. (laughs) 